Well, hello everybody and welcome to Tea with Louise, another episode where I um, interview really interesting astrologers who are also authors. And today I'm really, really excited and honoured to be talking to and having tea with Brian Clark, who's over there in Australia, in Tasmania, correct? And uh, and Brian um, began his self-study of astrology in 72 in Canada, taking his first formal astrology class uh, the following year. I'm not going to read every word. Um, since 1984, Brian has been a full-time consulting and educational astrologer, having served as national president for both the Canadian and Australian National Astrological As Associations. Consistently throughout these years, Brian has been involved with the local and global astrological community. In 86, Brian and his partner, Glenis Lawton, founded Astrosynthesis, the four-year astrological program, which is now a comprehensive distance learning program. And from 89 to 20, and I'll put a link for that in the show notes, from 89 to 2015, the astrological program was housed at the Chiron Centre, which became a vital focal point for astrology in Melbourne and Australia, reaching thousands of students and so on and so forth. Um, there's so much you've done. So I'm just going to read a few other little bits. Um, his Brian's enthusiasm for mythology and classics underscores his astrological focus. And he's guided over 17 tours to the sacred sanctuaries of ancient Greece, particularly those dedicated to healing and divination, which I wish I'd known about a long time ago. <laughs> um, so before we talk, um, I, I've not known Brian, I knew of Brian Clark for quite some time, but um, two <laughs> synchronicities came into my awareness fairly recently. I interviewed Melanie Reinhardt, who I call the uh, centaur queen, <laughs> which makes her laugh. And um, and Brian is a contributor to a book on the centaurs that's coming out, hopefully, by the end of this year. I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can get an email when that book is actually published. Um, but Melanie said, oh, you should meet Brian Clark. And I was like, oh, that's really funny because a friend of mine messaged me yesterday to say that she had read um, Astrological Time, one of your books, and and she said, it's the best book I've ever read on astrology. <laughs> so immediately I bought the book and started reading <laughs> all your stuff. And <laughs> and I was like, there's there's something here, and I just have to ask Brian if if he'd like to speak to me on my podcast and Luckily, he said yes. And then we found out that uh, Brian's son is at exactly the same degree as my North Node. <laughs> Amongst other connections. So welcome, Brian. Lovely Thank to you. have you here. You so <laughs> so um, Brian's focus in his work, he talks a lot about rewilding and imagination. And um, I, I'm hoping we can unpack some of that, uh, you know, just to give you a, a real idea of Brian's work, because uh, we seem to work in very similar ways from what I've read in his articles. You know, I, I when I read a chart, I, I don't 
oh, I did at first, I would go through the books and make all these notes about this means this and this aspect means that. But once I let go of the books and just let the symbols speak to me and in consultation with the client, things come through that I've probably never really exactly read in a book, but of course they're informed by my training. And so I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that, Brian. Well, thank you, Louise. Well, well, first of all, let's go right back to uh, the, what you mentioned about synchronicity. Like, well, you've mm. heard, it, it's so funny. I mean, say you heard, which is nice, you've heard of me, like, I, I like to stay low <laughs> underneath mm. the horizon. But, <laughs> uh, but you see, I, I for me, um, astrology works when it presents itself to you, not like when we try to, you know, so... So, of course, synchronicity is so much part of it. So you and I can now say, well, it's our time to meet, isn't it? Like, it's our time yeah. to meet because it wasn't time to meet way back then if we try to force it and everything like this. Um, and so whenever we have synchronicities, these whenever these synchronicities happen, and so amazing, so yesterday you get this email or, or text, um, there's always an archetypal resonance underneath that. You know, there's if that's what Jung talked about you know so synchronicity yeah it's not just a magical happening it, it's actually tied together through the archetype which faces out into the world but also faces into the soul so so it's always very interesting then to what what is that archetype now already in astrology we know that we've got this conjunction um of the sun and the north node which is quite lovely but I always have my son and your descendant which I thought was very interesting too and so we have many connections so immediately we can use the astrological archetypes to actually try to expand what maybe our maybe our connection is but I always start from the premise of not knowing well I do know the archetype you know I know that oh I know that my my son and your north node are together but I don't know what that means Mm -hmm. so I always start from the premise of not knowing I know what the sun and the north node represent Mm-hmm. And so it is through an engagement and, and through yeah. through an engagement and also through relationship, that becomes the most important thing, mm-hmm. I feel, through related relationship, then something else can emerge. Um, so as you were speaking, um, well, first of all, I w- I w- I'm trying to understand or think about, well, what was that archetype that brings us together? Mm-hmm. Is it the centaurs? Um, is it the sense of the wildness? Is it the sense of something outside the astrology that everybody knows? Like, you know, we think this is astrology and then we realize there's something, another force field outside of that. Is that what draws us together, perhaps? Mm. So I guess the other thing to say then, to go back to what you're saying about your sitting with a horoscope, no longer imposing yourself on it and letting something emerge, what happens is, is the symbol speaks to you or in it through it through an image mm-hmm. now you know you're you're highly i imagine you're highly you're you're more an intuitive type so therefore it speaks to you through a kind of sense of of of, 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 a, of a feeling that's moving fast into the future mm-hmm. um some people who are, who are you know very sensate they'll feel it in their body or mm-hmm. um if you're thinking type like me words drop in somebody says a word and all of a sudden a whole the whole picture opens up to me. <laughs> uh, you know, so if you're a feeling type, of course, you, you're feeling, oh, you know, you're feeling I, miserable or sad, you know, and, and it's on the feeling. So, you know, the, our sensual natures help us uh, 
I think, read the symbol more, mm. more than a student would know when they're studying. They think the symbol means that. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's just how, helping you locate it. It has a voice. And that's what we're trying to find out. Exactly. I actually get a big tingle in the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when it really starts kicking in, I could feel this big tingle. And then, yeah, just I just know things. So that's what I call it. I just know. yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> but you know what, Louise? You already know it. But uh, you yeah. know, you're, you know, that's what's so interesting. But we we think knowing has to be in a, in in some sense of causal, uh, mm -hmm. rational way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when we just when we realize that knowing is actually so irrational and unconscious, then then the symbols really work. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to take away from studying the astrology clearly and learning the words and things. And you don't. I know you don't either. So uh, but I just love this um, this whole thing about um, imagination. And I like Dane Rudyard, too. And you kind of refer to him quite a lot in, his, in, in your articles and books and things as well. Um, you say he um, encouraged a symbolic deliberation on astrology astrological symbols and um i really liked that sentence i had to kind of highlight that one in your article that i was, I was reading and highlighting he said to liberate astrology from being merely observed from a rational and predictive perspective and i kind of would call that rewilding myself too because mm, yes, I, you know exactly. it's, yeah that's yeah that's mm. and and the centaurs uh do you feel that this kind of, um, I kind of believe that they've come in to kind of help us to bridge that gap between that kind of rational inner world of the planets. I look at the order of the planets and then these things come in from way out there and bridge this gap so that we start really connecting with something out there. Would you, What would you uh, think to that theory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we use words, we use theories, don't we? But but underneath the theory is a, is a feeling, a feeling sense. So I would be trying to yeah. encourage feeling sense in you. Like that's it's more a knowing. It's it's a theory, but there's a knowingness because that's the order. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I, I I would agree. It, it bridges. It it it's like the quantum world, you know that mm -hmm. uh, or the. I don't know what we'll want to call it. There's there's all kinds of names for it. Unconscious spirit world, other world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I I'm drawn because of my classics um love, I, I'm drawn back to the, you know, when when the centaurs really started to um emerge in image, and that was about the fifth century um uh, BC, of course, in in Athens. Uh, in in the sculptures, they were oftentimes used for the metopes, like, like all all the the metopes all around the Parthenon, for instance, are all the battles battle with the centaurs, mm -hmm. because it, it 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 came into kind of consciousness that when Greece, this developing um, kind of civilization, was was attacked by the Persians, they they saw those as barbarians. So they use the story of the battle with the centaurs as a battle with barbaric forces and other forces, wild forces. Mm -hmm. And and in civilization, of course, we're trying to conquer that. <laughs> and like in <laughs> astrology, that's where we like that's where we it's, we're still trying to conquer that in astrology, saying, well, you know, like 
the second house is a bad house and and you know our Venus and Scorpios aren't doing very well in, in, in the list of all the things and all of that's very important to give a condition to a particular archetype where it's located oh this might be located in the underworld that might be located in heaven but there's no difference between heaven and the underworld in terms of soul and so it's when we bring the judgment to it that we really yeah. We really, really sort of fall down. So I, I would agree that, that the centaurs are asking us to uh, reconsider, <laughs> rewild yeah. uh, our sense of what barbarianism is, mm-hmm. of what nature is, you know, yeah. the natural world. Yeah. And also, I talk a lot, you know, for want of better terms, in terms of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. We kind of know that the astrological language has been. Um, you know, very male, really, <laughs> and very kind of uh, patriarchal, almost in kind of of defining rational. And I don't mean this about men and women. I'm talking about this energetically at all. But there's nothing, I am um, nothing gender based about this. It's it's all been about putting things in boxes and this means this and this means that and Mm -hmm. if this happens this is going to be bad and this is malefic and this is benefic so that gets onto the language thing but I don't use any of those terms (laughs) yeah well well they're they're difficult but but even when we use when we use more more other terms like um like shadow for instance or Mm -hmm. underworld even those in our culture that we now live in have really become so limited. Okay. I mean, you know, and the wonderful, I, I you know, <laughs> very fond of Jung and, and all of his, like his images of Anama, who was such a rich, but now people think Anama's is something, you know, like we all have one. <laughs> well, where is it? <laughs> can I find it? Or even soul. Soul now becomes something that we can commodify. I mean, yeah. so this is one of the great dilemmas about, um, uh, about even the language we use in astrology. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. so we find ourselves apologizing for what we say, well, this is masculine, but I don't really mean it as male or gender. You know, we find ourselves. I know. <laughs> why? Because why? Because the language is no longer speaking to us. It no yeah. longer speaks to us. Because what you're trying to say, I know what you're trying to say, but then you're also aware of a response that's going to come back at you, saying mm-hmm. you're being limited there, Louise. <laughs> you know, like. Exactly. So it's like really, we're I guess, and we're we're really trying to discover new ways to evoke. The images through astrology mm. we're not going to evoke them by saying well you know your venus is in detriment <laughs> or mm. exile or you know fall and we know that it is but well, how can we begin to bring that alive in yeah. the moment because that's your nature why should we not why should we take your nature away from you yeah i know it's a constant struggle for me to um find language that is really working and I haven't got there yet but I keep trying to you know find language. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am exploring it because I love language I love words Gemini moon and all that mm-hmm. Sagittarius and constantly I've even done a a talk on the astrological language and oh have you um, oh, that'd be interesting and and I know yeah I know you've probably looked and um, I wrote this book the my second book, I was actually commissioned to write it, to write non-binary language, but it went kind of beyond that. I was like, 
Well, we've got the language of sect, and we, and I'm sure you know what that is, night and day. Oh, and instead, yeah, of, yeah. yeah. And instead, it's, instead using night and day instead of masculine and feminine. But then night has its own problems sometimes because people are scared of the dark and it all becomes very... <laughs> well, yeah. uh, interesting to go there because night and day, oh, that goes back to me a long time about... Um, mm -hmm. I always use that. I started to use that rather than yin and yang, and uh, mm -hmm. and um, you, you, you're right. And and yeah, we can't put that on the level of masculine and feminine. You're absolutely right. There's a bit of a different. But I think night and day is such an astrological image. You see, it's an astrological image. It's, it it's, is. It's, and um, and those nodes, um, you know, uh, sunrise, sunset, which are the nodal points uh, of the day, in a way. Um, you know, they, 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 they tell us so much about changes and shifting. So I think like, they're powerful words to use in language. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then and again, then, you know. And you've also got the, that also brings in the twilight thing, which is nice yes. to yes. say that nothing is black and white. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many myths around twilight and myths around um, sunrise, you know, um, mm -hmm. dawn, yeah. goddess of dawn. You know, the Hesperides, the goddesses of the, of uh, 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 the twilight so there are many also stories that connect us to those times mm. and, and the rising and setting of the sun and the myth that, that also goes doesn't it i guess what we're trying to find in our language is the metaphor like once we get a metaphoric language mm -hmm. rather than a descriptive language then that then then our then our consultations go much more smoother yeah so, so I think you you are a fan of telling stories and and things as as part of the astrological consultation, or you see it as telling a story. I don't mean telling a whole mm. tale. You know what I mean? Telling a story of somebody's soul, if you like, as you're reading for them, rather than well, I'm would that sure be like, true? Well, I'm <laughs> sure like you had changed over the years, didn't it? Like I used to yeah. start out thinking I had to tell the client everything the whole time oh you yeah know, like it was just and um and then I had a few experiences where I realized oh and, uh, and so I started to change um and listen more because mm -hmm. in listening I could really then hear <laughs> and then yeah. and then I think then I could use the chart too and so then um I, yeah, I tried to, I tried to weave that into the story. So myth became very important as a backdrop for me, the mythological stories, which suited so many other things and um, trying to help the individual see that what they saw as pathological or traumatic and all that, which it is, no, no, it is, mm -hmm. it is, actually belongs actually to a kind of human experience, it, not just something that's their, their particular curse um yeah so, so in many ways yeah trying to you trying to take the curse away <laughs> by telling the appropriate story mm. uh, but telling the story uh, i i guess of the soul would would be more like trying to be soul i, I think i was more trying to be soulful about telling a story because mm. how would i know the story of the soul you know like so i just try oh, to be soulful yeah. about the story of the soul yeah. You know, anything in the chart, try to be more soulful about it, more inquiring, more listening, more mm. than and so that and that also meant my clients started to change. Mm. And that also meant my clients wanted to stay long 
were with me, so they they would come back. So so they wanted to come again, and so I have so all my practice now is basically pretty well either students with tutorials or all my regular clients. Yeah, you know they're very regular. So what are we gonna we're gonna we 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 the symbols speak all their life, <laughs> and uh, they do, don't they? Yeah. How how the, often do your clients usually return? Well, they're all it's all very different um yeah. i have clients once a month i have um clients uh, a couple of times a year four times a year a lot of them once a month or or the ones that you know they're in a critical phase bone brian you know like that kind of thing oh yeah yeah um, i just wonder i just wondered because i i have never quite done that where i'm kind of like the regular therapist almost even though i'm, I'm not a therapist so, but uh, I've never quite had that. Most of mine only come back about every year for a top up. If yeah. You like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, that happens too. You know, like I have those kind of clients, and and they're the ones that also see the birthday as being very important. Their birthday year, so of course, the solar yeah. return becomes such an important tool for that wonderful tool, wonderful tool. And um, so I have those kind of clients, but then the kind of clients who, it's like I think Louise, we we develop ways of making conversation yeah i hope we're having one now i hope i'm not doing oh. all the talking but yeah. <laughs> but we have conversations <laughs> where where meaningfulness is developed and and, mm. I, and, I, and, I, and many people miss that in their life so it's not like we have to what they're looking for is meaning you know mm. give me meaning give me purpose to what's going on in my life yeah. and that and and, and that, that's a rare thing we don't have to be extremely we don't have to be therapeutic or we don't have to be trained as anything um in fact the more untrained one is sometimes the more (laughs) receptive they can be the more oracular they can be yeah and you've seen my chart anyway i've got that venus neptune in scorpio my midheaven people tell me things (laughs) i'm a very good listener i I do spend most of my sessions listening actually yeah indeed yeah well that takes me back then to your love of imagination. I mean, your Venus, you know, you must have loved mystery novels when you were a kid or the mm-hmm. Bronte sisters or, or oh yeah, you know, or, or, or those <laughs> or those images that brought you to mm-hmm. to a reverie of of being in the world in a mysterious way. Oh um, yeah. 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 Always. There's a long time and and you know, like many people, I kind of fell away from it uh, for a while. Um, as life happened and I thought I should be doing certain things in my life but it's uh it's come back again thankfully so <laughs> well it would never go away because it's part of nature <laughs> where's it exactly. going to go <laughs> exactly <laughs> if it didn't come back well we know what would probably have happened you'd be oh we, we won't say that no so uh, you also talked about I've I've done quite a lot of highlighting on this. So um, so you talk about um, how and we and you kind of touched on it, but I'd love to kind of dive in a bit deeper. How a horoscope can be read directly from a theoretical or technical standpoint, but without the spice of imagination, the the reading can be informative and interesting but doesn't piece together the mystery or evokes an intimacy that is possible uh, beyond the factual framework. I've tried, I tried in my early uh, days doing kind of cold readings. I would just have the chart, 
do a reading, they were still impactful. Of course, you know, uh, the astrology was still telling me things. Mm. But um, I think for me, the, as you call it, the interplay between the techniques and the symbols works better when you work with the person, would you? Would you? Agree? Well, yeah, as you're speaking, of course, I've reminded that it's interesting. It just a, a memory just popped in as you were speaking. Of, I used to do cold readings too at, mm. in Montreal at the, at the at psychic fairs and at the psychic church, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the spiritual church, you know, they called it. Because there was a wonderful old man there called um, Mr. Luke who donated, who gave me his will, all, all, all his astrology books. Anyway, he, um, so thank you, Mr. Luke. <laughs> that <was many> years <laughs> ago. Uh, he, uh, and, you know, I remember this this pregnant woman talking to me, oh, well, like, when am I going to have the baby? Well, the eclipse is coming. Um, it'll be this day. You know, I used to be able, I said things like that. Or if I, <laughs> and of course, of course, she had the baby that day. So I thought, oh, this is how astrology works. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that didn't happen all the time. No, but enough to make me think. Well, something's going on here. So, so I, so. The, but what happened was that that left me feeling. Well, is that what it is? It, it's like, is it like a weather? Is it like telling the weather? I didn't want to be a weather man. You know, I wanted. Mm. We've got all this these plants and Libra. I wanted something that I wanted a relationship to happen, and um, so then uh, you know. I, I I saw that sense of that symbol when when it was able to be you know held and worked with and talked about how the individual then started to understand a part of himself mm-hmm. and be more reflective about this part and then we're telling a story about what happened and we could so the so then something moved and something changed mm-hmm. and I began to you know, work differently in that way. Mm-hmm. I started to trust the, I trust astrology, Louise. I, I, yeah, I, I, I do. I, sometimes, you know, I, I think, oh, I've got to give this lecture and I just don't, I'm so, oh God. And then I sh- show up and it all just comes out. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and I'm sure it's me, but it's not me. It's, it's like there's a sense of being engaged with something much bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and I always, so I always say it kind of speaks through me, not, yeah, not from sure. me, through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But when I said cold readings, I meant I actually recorded readings. Sometimes, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like on an MP3 or something without a client present. Yeah. It, it works so much better when you've got the client. Well, yeah, because you get the feedback, don't you? Exactly. And, and when you see, and when a client speaks, I don't know about you, but you've got the chart. I always print out my chart. I, I don't can't do it on the screen. I still can't. I'm I'm a little baby. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm <laughs> one of the old guys. I'm an old guy. Um, I um I I so I put it down. Oh, still hand draw a lot of things on it. But yeah. if the client's speaking to me, sometimes that symbol almost jumps off the page, doesn't it? Mm. Like, like all. Oh, that's what they, that's where that's what so yeah uh, so I locate that in an aspect or a, or a planet something, and and then dr- try to draw that uh, out of the client um, so mm-hmm. that they know that this is part of their nature that this is natural you know yeah. um, so I, you know it's very different to say um you know you have a Uranus Mercury conjunction on your ascendant to somebody who's <laughs> 
who said, oh, I've just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And, you know, and all of a sudden, you, oh, 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 well, you do have, you know, the Uranus Mercury on your ascendant. And the client goes, oh, this is natural. Like, it's like it's not, it's not something I'm supposed to, this is part of who I am, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so you start to recognize that you can form relationships mm-hmm. um, and discuss things that that they've oftentimes that are part of their nature. They've often put on the shelf. How do we bring it back? And yeah. as, as how do we rewild ourselves? Like bring mm-hmm. those wilder, unconscious, natural, natural parts of herself back into the habitats of who we are. Because uh, our society in general has kind of tended to make parts of us <laughs> as less desirable. And I kind of think we are who we are, like all the gritty bits, as I call them, and and all the, the lovely shiny bits. And it's it's kind of deep acceptance of, of kind of how all of that works and maybe how, you know, you can, I've got a Mars-Pluto square, for example, <laughs> which is, you know, most people look at a Mars-Pluto square and they go, <laughs> <laughs> and it's certainly, you know, occasionally come out in a not healthy way but um but I I love my Mars Pluto square because it yeah. it it makes me quite assertive and quite um you yeah. know you get things done look at you exactly <laughs> and you don't stop until you get them done so you know it, it's like this is yeah and yeah you might run over a few people on the way but, well <laughs> this is <not. laughs> Only if they're not nice to you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, well, we, we, we won't talk about that. We'll no, keep we that internal. Yeah. yeah well, you know, having said that, you know, this is what now you're making me laugh. I, I, I have um, back in the, oh, sorry, am, am I allowed to tell stories? or was it... Oh, yes. Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you crazy stories. But just having fun. Uh, back in the um, 80s and early 90s, I, you know, had a huge string of clients who, who, I, who I, I used to, um, who I used to say suffer from S- STD, which sexually transmitted debt. Um, so you'd have these women, you know, who'd, who'd been loyal to their husbands all their life, you know, and worked hard. Their husband's success because of these women, and and then of course the whole standard they'd run off with some the bimbo, the or whatever, and, and then so the wife would come to see me, you know. Um, wondering what went wrong. And your Mars square Pluto's reminding me that I would encourage them into their Mars Pluto. Like, well, what went wrong was that you were betrayed, you know, I did a little run like that. And what do you want to do? Well, I want to drive the BMW through his front door. I said, Well, I think that's a good thing to do. So I would always check, first of all, to see if they were, if if they were, you know, they they were this was natural, this rage inside of them was natural. And we got to talk about talk to a lot of women about their rage. And, you know, it it really gave me that sense that what's, yeah, we talked about it. We get, we, I created a safe enough place to be able to talk about it, you know. Because, exactly. yeah, Mars Pluto, I had one of those in the conjunction. And, you know, <laughs> you know, we need a safe place to talk about them. Um, we do. Certainly and to, and, podcast, <laughs> no, no, but we need to express these things at some place, at some it, point. Yeah. And have them honored and witnessed. And I think that's the other thing. Yeah. About the yeah. de- but once somebody witnesses your true nature that you think is somehow 
not right, and they witness the true nature of it, then then there's a kind of a sense of liberation about that. Mm -hmm. There is. And, you know, some people come to me with their charts, and I'm sure they do with you as well, although you've worked, you don't get new clients so much now in the earlier days. And if they know enough astrology, they get I, I get clients come to me and say, oh, I, I really wish I didn't have this in my chart. And, ugh, this part of me is horrible. And this kind of comment. And, and my aim is really to make them realize that there's nothing bad in their chart. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that, again, we're getting back to being wild, rewilding, yeah. being bad. Yeah. What's wrong with being bad? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> Sometimes you have a lot of fun being bad. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever bad is, you know, like it's different <laughs> people. Oh. We do know that there's limits of badness. Yes, of course. And 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 I guess what I trust, I have to trust that that the, the client that I'm seeing, of course, is aware of those limits, their their, their own boundaries and their own. But within those boundaries, what's wrong with being bad? Because, yeah. because if not, then the badness gets on the other side of the boundary, outside the city walls. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what rewilding, isn't it? It's going outside the city walls to find mm -hmm. all the wild plants and everything that are growing, yeah. which was Chiron's teaching. Like whatever was at hand, that's what Chiron means, isn't it? Handy, Chiron's hand. Whatever yeah. is at hand is 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 for healing. Mm -hmm. So what's at hand is your bad part. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Let's look at let's heal. Let's let let's let let's let that heal us. Let's uh... and use it in a in a fun, healthy way. Really, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and incidentally, to the listeners, Brian's chapter in the book that's hopefully published by the end of the year is a chapter on Chiron. But we're not going to just go into Chiron in great detail. But yes, Chiron and hands. I went to <laughs> well, Chiron's I went always that's where Melanie and I have, have, have formed because her book came out in 1989 and we, we, we opened the Chiron Center in 1989. You mm -hmm. didn't know, I didn't know Melanie, and then all of a sudden this book arrives and like I ordered it and I arrived in the post just as we start a Chiron Center and I think, oh my God. Because <laughs> that's just, like how, yeah, just so like how this interview good. happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, are we still so, yeah. on track? <laughs> we are. We are. I do want to talk a little bit about techniques, though, because, you know, I think a lot of people that are listening to this will be astrologers who kind of or baby astrologers, as I call them, who are just developing how they work. And you talked a lot in this article about technique and symbol, too. And it kind of made me laugh about all these arguments we get in astrology that you talk about. The um, and I'm not going to ask you to go down on either side of them because, um, you know, uh, this uh, is it the inferior conjunction, for example, uh, that mm. is more important, uh, or the superior conjunction is that the beginning of the cycle, or which house system, and all these arguments that we have in astrology all the time. And it sounds like, and I'm not one to put words in your house, in, in, your, <laughs> in your house, in your mouth. But I always say always work when a friend comes to me and goes, you should be using whole sign or, you know, or whole signs, the best system or or whichever argument. It was it was funny. I was at ESAR, as you know, um, the International um, Study for Astrological Research Conf Conference and talking to 
a very well-known astrologer who I call kind of call the granddaddy of, um, of uh, astrology for this kind I practice. I'm not going to name names, but he uses the mean nodes, and he's <laughs> he's he's like the mean nodes are the right nodes, and I'm like, no, they're not, because if the if if um, I with my nodes, I use the true nodes because my nodes change signs. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I say, yeah. and I know I'm an Aries South node, and but we laughed with each other, and he's going, "Well, you're just wrong," and I'm laughing the head <laughs> off, and it, it was really funny. But um, I, I think you're the same as me. That really always work. You know, there's if if we sat down and had a deeper discussion about the techniques and let the chart speak to you, you'd, you'd find there's probably a, a, something in both, in all the house systems. They all yeah. work in different ways. They all work for something, the the different nodes, the different cycles. Would you agree? Yes. Uh, yeah, I always say continuity. That's the most important thing. I mean, my astrology was working really, really well. I wasn't, like, when everybody was sort of like charging over the whole side, I wasn't going to do that because it was working. Yeah. It was continuity. I mean, I'd already, uh, I mean, the whole sign was already embedded in me because that's what we do when we, we look at the sun sign forecast or anything. It's put, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah, but I want to go back to your mean note, true note. Um, and and if somebody's saying the mean note is right, well, they're from my generation. You know, they're, they're, the, yeah. they're mine. And why they're in my generation? Because when, when we grew up, uh, we didn't have a true note. It wasn't able to be spotted. So we all our feminists were were mean notes. So we and then and then the true note came up. Oh, oh boy. So mm-hmm. the way I think about it is a mean note is a wonderful note to help the students study the nodal cycle because it moves mm-hmm. three three seconds a day. Um it goes 18.6 years through the signs, mm-hmm. 18.6 um days for a degree, 18.6 months for a so, you know, there's great ways to learn about this. The cycle is wonderful. But I'd agree with you, the true node for uh, natal and transits, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I use, I like the mean node to teach the cycle. Like, so, yeah. you know, to get the overview. And then, so it's an over. So I think of the mean node as the overview and then and then singling down into the true node mm-hmm. as as the more personal. Um, now, so what I what I what I'd like to say about this dilemma is we have to find our own how it speaks to us, and like I was saying, it was speaking to me. So I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't going to rewire it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So once it speaks to us, and when we know it speaks to us because there's something happens, it we become symbolic. I think when mm-hmm. it speaks to us, when it starts speaking to us, it is symbolic. Mm. So I would agree. Like if we are continuous and. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of, you know, in the tutorials, a lot of the students use the whole sign. So I respect their, always meet the client, I say. So I respect their using that. Um, and, and you know, um, and they're talking about the fourth house. And I'm thinking, oh, that's my fourth house. You know, like, <laughs> so I try to meet them in there. Like, really what I want to support them and what they're learning. So it's you know, I, I don't think there's any good or bad. Once we get good or bad, we get binary, don't we? We do, yeah. We, we, we lose the magic of the two nodes. We use the magic of, of all of the house systems, which is so mm-hmm. very interesting. So I, 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 I don't know why people get so attached to theory. I guess I love theory. We need it, but we've got to leave it behind if we're going to practice. Yeah, I you agree. Know, if, yeah. if somebody walks 
if, if a client walks into the room and they're distressed and traumatized or whatever, well, I'm not going to say, oh, that's because you've got Pluto on your ascendant. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try and try and, you know what, I'm going to try to hear something and then let the chart speak to me in a symbolic way. Your turn, Louise. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had something there and it's kind of gone now. It'll come back in a second. But I was think I was referring back to I was thinking of orbs as well. And yeah. I, I you know Yes, we, we. it's important, as you said, to teach the theory or to learn the theory, whether you're teaching or learning, and mm -hmm. to get an idea of what orbs are good and things. But I, I always say I'm a bit loosey-goosey with orbs, you know. Um, I personally use porphyry because it always works for me and, mm -hmm. and I see no reason to change. But um, with, with regard to houses, if a plant, if, say, if a, you know, uh, like I have this big Sagittarius stellium, if three of the Sagittarius stellium is in the 12th house and one lonely little planet in Sagittarius is um, in the previous house, but but near the cusp, I always say it's the 12th house because it's it's pulled in by the other planets. So, yeah, or, but I might, or I might read both houses for it. So I don't know how you feel about that loosey-goosey well, kind of. Well, I see, I, again, again, it's interesting when you say loosey-goosey, it's, it's sort of, it, it's not supporting your way of looking at it. No, it's not. I don't see that as loosey-goosey. Yeah. How I used to teach the cusps, why I, see, and that's why I like the um, quadrant system, because I love the cusps. So, um, mm -hmm. you, 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 so, so that everything's not always sort of comes back to the ascendant. It does. But I would teach the cusps sort of um, as a doorway, like, yeah. you know so a door so and if you're let's imagine the door of your 12th house is 10 degrees but you have a planet let's say seven well that seven degree planet is looking at the door you know yeah. <laughs> they're looking to get out of there i'm, I'm going to the, so they're looking to open the door their consciousness there 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 is in the next house they're in this mm -hmm. house there's no doubt it's in the 11th house but it's looking mm -hmm. in the 12th so i would agree that it, it takes it takes part in both. So I would, I try to encourage the students to have ways of thinking, ways of thinking. That's the most important thing for me. Ways of thinking about this. This is what the tradition says. How can we take that tradition and open it up into a metaphoric way of thinking? Mm. Yeah. How can I find a metaphor for it? You know, so one of the things I always say to the students is, okay, um, use the word as if that immediately get you in that metaphor territory. Mm. Don't say this is, say it's as if. <laughs> so so if you can get away by saying, you know, so our Venus is in Scorpio. If we said Venus in Scorpio is, but if I say mm. it's as if and draw a metaphor, mm. it liberates the client to think, oh, I need to think about this. Yeah. So I try yeah. to have people have ways of thinking about things, get ways to think about how to use um, what you've been taught in in your own way. <laughs> I'd like everybody to write that down. It's as if <laughs> I'm going to be using that one all the time. I really like that. Well, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Isn't it very easy? Yeah. Look at, you yeah. Know, you know, it's as if. Um, and then a story emerges, um, a metaphor emerges, an analogy. Um, I feel I'm talking too much. I always no. do. So. Well, okay. you know, but I want to. People okay. to hear you. <laughs> well, I um, it's like one of the things um, 
and Jeffrey Cornelius and um, does a wonderful uh, uh, thing on this. But um, in in when we use like an analogy, like astrology is an, how do you say analogic, isn't it? It's it it's 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 got logic, but but it's actually also without logic um, mm-hmm. because how can we logically say astrology works? But it has incredible logic. So it's like so when we use an analogy, you know. So when we even when we say Mercury is in Pisces, and then we try to describe it. We, it's like an analogy, and once you get the analogy, um, something can turn, um, and then the client can begin to think about different things, and da da da. And once they think about that, they start to think about different, and then in that moment, it can turn, and that's when the divine enters. You know, like the when I say divine, the wild, the divine, yeah. natural, and and something turns and something changes. Mm. Um, now that doesn't happen so we go back to what we we're discussing before that doesn't happen if I just say if I just do a cold reading and say well you've got a Sagittarius rising you're a happy chappy you know that that nothing's going to turn there is it um, no but if I'm but if if we can draw you know Sagittarius rising it's as if you know you put on a happy face um, that might be it different way for the client to receive that and then all of a sudden they, they might think oh, do I do that and then they might realize oh yeah I have and then they start to consider something and it changes and then the new conversation develops yeah mm. wonderful I'm learning so much from this I hope you are <laughs> I'm always I think I'm learning more all the time oh come on Brian you you're too modest. You've been practicing and writing for a lot longer than I have, so I can always learn from you. <laughs> so. I, I, I that's actually Louise. We learn. I, if I hadn't taught astrology, you know, mm-hmm. from all those years, I learned all the time from students. Every class, they'd be telling me mm-hmm. a new, a, a new version of 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 the archetypal story, and I'm thinking. Yeah. So I always thank my students, you know, and my clients. I mean, um, they're the ones I learned from. I mean, I learned the techniques and books from, from all the wonderful authors and writers and everyone. And mm-hmm. We have amazing astrologers today. But I learned astrology in the classroom and in my consulting mm-hmm. room. And, and I, I'd, and, oh, I'd, I'd agree. I, I don't think you really embody astrology till you actually start practicing it with clients and things. I think you can... And I, I tell everybody who's going, I'm never going to learn all of this. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm still learning things every single day. <laughs> and, and I didn't really start, this charts didn't really start speaking to me until I actually started consulting with clients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and as you're saying that, Louise, I'm also very aware of, you know, the life cycle. And I'm at, I'm, I'm at the, at the period of my life where I'm starting to forget. <laughs> like Sometimes I think, like, you know, all the things that I knew way back then. But <laughs> what you never forget is the feeling response. That you never forget. So people say, how, how do you remember the chart? I don't remember the chart. Yeah. But I remember that the, 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 like, I'll always remember that you have, we, we have our son, you know, yeah. I have my son, your descendant. Why? Because there was a feeling response. You know? Yeah. Like, so I'll always know your descendant because I had a feeling response. I ascended as well had a feeling mm-hmm. response to that so so when, when you were speaking I was realizing the more we keep cramming in there about all the techniques um we 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 can't retain all that information no we can't we cannot so we have to choose we have to choose what works 
works best for us. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I don't put all the asteroids into the horoscope, but I love the asteroids. If I hear a client talking about a theme that's an at, like that asteroid, yes. I put it in the chart and then I'm off. Oh, I heard it before I put it in. So that's how I do it now. Or mm -hmm. and I don't put anything in the chart that I don't don't understand myself or or actually yeah. have a feeling response for, because then I know I'm drawn into the intellect. Well, what does this mean? Then I have to give them a theoretical response rather than a Yeah. I I take things in and out of my charts all the time for for A, I do kind of daily kind of written forecasts and, and videos and things, and I put more in for that, you know. But if I'm doing a client consultation, then, then you know, I'll only really put in uh, what's prominent or speaking to me, or I'll add things even in the consultation, like, uh, as you say. I'm like, oh, there's, uh, yeah, I do the same with that, with the asteroids and things. Even though I adore the asteroids and the, all the centaurs, Oh, I do. I, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I Black Moon Lilith and everything. <laughs> um, you know, um, Kelly Hunter, I listened to one of her wonderful uh, presentations on, is it Salini? Salini? The Shimmering Goddess of North. See this? Yeah, I forgot the name already, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's where a word salacious comes from so so okay oh, anyway, oh yes i think i know but, yeah but you know it was wonderful it was very inspiring it was so so wonderful um so there's there's all of these now some will speak to others and some won't you know mm -hmm. um some will speak like so some will speak to us and some won't like not everything's going to speak to us it's like uh, we're different we have our own natures and so when we find that what what is really working and speaking and so on then, then, then we can find the archetype behind what people are are really speaking about, mm. and and that's what naturally I think um, weeds out, if that's the right word. That's talking about rewildly um, <laughs> your clients. You know, I'm not going to get it. I no longer would have in my letter when I was seeing lots of clients clients that come to me to tell me something mm. or want an answer to something. Now, having said that, there's a lot of clients that didn't want an answer, but they were willing to explore all kinds of things, and that was okay. But those who just wanted me to sit there telling the answer, well, they they disappeared. They never got it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm. I even put on my website at one point. I don't know if it's still there. I keep I edit it now and again. But you know, if if you're looking for me to give you a date when you're going to get married, you're probably better off going to another astrologer. <laughs> You know what the truth is, though? The truth, Louise, is that if, if that client who wanted that date let you explore with her, yeah. you would come up with the right date. That, I, of that, I, I trust astrology. But we have to see that the clients are as equally responsible for this consultation as we are. Exactly. And and I, I kind of said it tongue in cheek because that often that's the kind of person who just comes wanting this straight answer you know <laughs> me to tell you they don't want to discuss anything it's like yeah you know, I think I probably took it out but there's my Mars Pluto for you you know you no longer exist you know like so you know, the picture. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to have deep conversations then we're not we're not a fit <laughs> so, <laughs> 
such nice people. We we and we have sometimes terrible feelings. And uh... well, yeah, we 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 we're, we're human. And um, I always say things tongue in cheek to everybody listening. You probably know by now, my if you're my podcast listeners, because uh, I've got that trickster moon and all that jokey energy in my chart. <laughs> So I'm actually one of the most deep listeners and empathic uh, readers. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm thinking, you know, because I'm a lot on social media and I get messages, you know, saying just one quick question. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the thing. First of all, I, 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 I want to acknowledge your, your, what you do, you know, like your podcast, what you send all your listeners and... Uh, uh-huh. The way that, that this is a new way, isn't it? And and, and mm. have that amount of well, I guess it came with the Pluto Mars because Pluto Mars is very influential. Um, I may not know that, but there's a kind of a sense that you know. Well, I just want to acknowledge what you do. <laughs> That's really what I want to do. Thank you. No, no, what you do, and it's wonderful. Like the podcast and the books. Um, it's 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 a it's a contribution, and and we're always learning finding new ways to do things mm. so it becomes very very important and I guess our trick is always tongue-in-cheek is saying finding the right way to say it because sometimes it can be a bit sharp especially when you get tired eh? <laughs> tired oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at, at the time that person has asked me that question and nine other times I gave the answer <laughs> so yeah, like but this is part of life too a like, astrology evoked so many questions in us but I guess what mm. I'd like to tell anyone who's listening is that astrology evokes the question but and it can also give us the answer but but it has to actually be um we have to know what the question is a lot of people think oh will I get married you know that's not the mm. question that's not the question it is the question is about am I am I able you know to to be in a relationship am I able what you know there's all kinds of it's not that easy so so astrology will evoke many questions I guess what I want to say is there's no simple answers to those questions there isn't and you know if, if the client's receptive um to it when they uh, if I feel there's the connection and they ask a question like that will I get married I kind of go well that's up to you Let's look at <laughs> let's look yeah. at what's your makeup and uh, you know yeah, yeah. I, it, it's interesting because I'm thinking about gee if anybody is listening who's a who's a hoary practitioner or whatever I mean I think hoary is just absolutely wonderful and mm. because if you bring in this aspect that we're speaking about like the symbol mm. I'm thinking about like how many times you know th- there have been many things that I've, I've sat with people about the right time to sell their house or the right time to have mm. this particular operation or many of them, <laughs> the right the right time to get married. I mean, I've done a lot of that with people, but I, I it's like I try to think about it as a journey. Let's do this together. Yeah. It's not I'm just going to sit here and, and, and do some calculations. Give you, give you a list of dates. Or... <laughs> yeah. so, so there becomes a kind of a, a journey that we go on. And, and mm-hmm. um, part of that journey, certainly when I was doing... Um, uh, you know, marriage times and that was, you know, um, about, about uh, the way to the wedding. How, how do we how do we deal with this? What's possible? What's not possible? What, what's our mm. expectations? And all of that then became a kind of embrace of um, working 
with all these different energies. So I'd love to talk about your books a little bit. <laughs> Clearly, I've got this one. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, astrological time, cycles of the soul, transits, progressions, and returns. I think it's. Can I just really... say, Louise, that, that, yeah. that photo on the cover is yeah. a, a magnificent photo of um, of Prudence and um, Prudence and um, and she's like you know Cronus time, and then we have uh -huh. opportunity, uh, opportunity. That's Kairos, and opportunity always had the forelock and so opportunity oh. run by us we have to catch it by the forelock you know um so that's really like uh chiron uh sorry chiron, saturn and uh kairos you know the yeah you know it's a, i love that picture to me that captured how astrology tries to help us grab the right time if you will that's awesome yeah i hope you all caught that there's the uh grabbing the yeah the, the yeah Cool, and this That's book is brilliant. But tell us about your other books. You've you've got, you've got. To... <laughs> well, I'd like to. I guess what we're talking about today is 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 the book Soul Symbol and Imagination. And mm. if we have time, can I tell a story of how those books? The first book I wrote in astrology was nineteen ninety nine, called The Sibling Constellation. That went out of print, and my my my. Um, fate with print with with publishers hasn't been good it's like I was oh. the last one in the series of Arcana they cancelled it um, oh. <laughs> I, I've never nobody wanted to reprint it although I got all these requests from people wanting to get it but nobody wanted to reprint it and and out of the blue um, in Taiwan thank goodness because I do a lot of seminars in in, in Asia and so on mm. <laughs> The publishers in Taiwan wanted me to write this series of books. That's how those books happened. And then I couldn't get any English publishers, but dear Frank Clifford helped me self-publish them. So Frank did that for me. And so those books were really, I call them, um, well, not so much written, but they're more compilations of all my class notes for all those years. Yeah, so that with a little bit of, a, of an introduction. But the book that was, I felt was for me was that Soul Symbol and Imagination. Mm -hmm. Which was written after I, I, I um, we left the Carlin Center and I had more time to reflect on what happened to me in astrology for all those years. Mm -hmm. And one morning I woke up with 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 almost like the chapters of the book, and I, I thought, oh, I'll start this, and that all developed. So that's called Soul Symbol Imagination, and talks about what happened to me in with what happened, how astrology, what astrology did to me. <laughs> And it's yeah. called the artistry of astrology. Yeah, the artistry kind of, of the, the subtitle. So yeah, yeah, I'll put I'll put a link to that book in the show notes too. I will be uh, buying that one as well. So that one, uh, <laughs> that's sort of like what I try to. I don't know. Um, not everyone's going to enjoy that. Like like those of you who might have a fixed attitude about astrology, please don't buy it. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I think most of my uh, listeners are the the other way. Right? <laughs> the other books are are what's called from the moment we met. That was on, on that's on synastry, but uh, synastry and um, so 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 relationships and synastry all one book. Kind of mm. a big one. Um, I called it from the moment we met because uh, meeting charts have always been so profound for me. You know mm. that's helped me with this struggle. But the times people meet. Mm -hmm. um you know when it's not when they when they when they serendipitously cross paths so to speak mm -hmm. 
that's amazing. Robin, it, that's always so I, but because so it's about adult relationships. It's not about the, because I wrote another book called Family Legacy, which is about the family relationships. And then, because my wife's a family therapist, so we did a whole, we developed a whole program on family in, in, in our teaching. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? Oh, on vocation, which I love, vocation. Yeah. Because that was always the questions people come to me. And vocation, oh, of yeah. course, is bigger than just a job. Oh, way more. Yeah. That's why I kind of like, uh, you know, the midheaven, your career. Um, I like that Stephen Forrest calls it your mission in life. Yeah. 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 It's it's the mission. It's because vocation, I like to call it the calling. That's what the word means. Yeah. To hear, to hear, to be called. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we are all called. We are all called. Um, Unfortunately, but you've got to leave the herd to be called. You know, like you, that's that's what you did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that's that's what chironic people do is they have to leave the herd. There, they 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 never. We never feel part of it anyway. No. Um, and we've got to take that. It's a big step. And and you look at what you've done. You you've done really well. <laughs> Your books are. <laughs> Thank you. You probably sell you sell more. You sell more of your one book that I would sell of all of my like like you know it, it's a, but it's not about that for me. You know, no, it, it isn't. I actually I got paid to write this, so I make no money from the sales, which is fine. It's my like my business card. I knew I knew the risk when I um when I signed the contract. My first book didn't sell many, so I wouldn't have made any money from that. But they paid me quite well for it. And then they paid me. Oh, eight months. I know it's a just it's a publisher who works differently. And I was like, well, you know, I want to write books, and they're yeah. offering this, and yeah. and it's kind of like my calling card. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, because yeah. like how, yeah, because we do need help. I mean, it's pretty difficult. I mean, so I had help, and that, thank you, Frank, and thank you um, uh, for all all of the Taiwanese. Um, people who helped me and, um, and many people that all the people I should just so many people we need help um, yeah. but that's fascinating you know because because we, we do I think we all have this fascination that books are going to you know somehow <laughs> like and it's like I get so excited when someone, like if somebody tells me they read the book I mean it's like oh my goodness you feel sort of exposed I feel yeah. I always feel, oh, oh yeah. god you know it's, yeah, but astro- it, astrology books really don't make much money. No, no. <laughs> well, so. Gee, you've just destroyed my fantasy that I had you like, like I had you all your sales. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it does bring me clients. So that's uh, yeah. Uh, well, yes, and yeah, and, and also, um, you know, yeah, and, and also the service that you've done. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to write books. I, I I actually didn't do it for no money or fame. Yeah, yeah. So. I yeah, and as I said, I I I I know writers, and, and they're different. I I, I still don't kind of consider myself a writer. Like I'm a compiler, except for that soul symbol in astrology. Mm-hmm. Something happened there that, that I couldn't say. Oh, that felt like writing. Mm-hmm. But all the other stuff. And when I do articles, I feel like I write. I, I love doing mm-hmm. articles. But um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian's writing is lovely. So um, I hope you'll check his books out. And I also will put a link in the show notes to Astrosynthesis, 
um, dot com dot au. Um, that's all your uh, teaching program, your distance learning program. So I will put that link, and I will also put a link to the publisher of this upcoming book that keeps getting pushed back because there's one or two contributors who are a little bit tardy, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> I met one of them at ESAR and I'm going to get him on my podcast to encourage him to uh, get the chapter out. <laughs> you're, you're very supportive of that project, which is wonderful. I, I, yeah. I, Melanie was the one who I think uh, who brought me into that. She was, oh, well, yeah. and so Chiron's been my passion. So I just wrote about this. It was an update of things I've done before on the cycle of Chiron, you know, the very, mm -hmm. that's an important uh, important cycle. It very, yeah. yeah. Also on our website, I try and put resorts. I have some student resources that people can get, and there's a heap mm -hmm. of articles if they're interested. So there, there's other things there besides that, you know, that you can wander through. Well, thank you so much for coming and being on my podcast, Brian. It's been such a pleasure. And I know you're uh, you're kind of not a limelighty kind of person, and I kind of thrust you out onto the podcast a little bit there but uh but you've been a pleasure to talk to and I feel like I've learned such a lot from you is there anything else you'd like to say before we well <laughs> I'm just aware that most of the time I just felt I was speaking to you I, I forgot we were on a podcast I mean I have the microphone but uh yeah, Good. I felt, yeah I just felt like yeah so I really thank you for that thank you, thank you for inviting me Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And I hope we'll keep in touch now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. well thank you everybody for listening. <laughs>